Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're doing Understanding God's Word, Part 7, The Epistles. Welcome back. Welcome back, listeners. Welcome back, Brian. Hey, Brian. How's it going, man? It's going well. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Excited to be good. back in the studio, We're getting ready to record this episode. Yes, I am, you know, and uh, and I feel pretty warmed up considering we just finished recording another episode, so it's Don't like... tell them their secrets. I love telling people the secrets because that's like, I want them to know and be a part of the magic of what's happening. Well, we are coming to you <laughs> on a certain day and a certain time. Brian hates when I do from this. From the past. It makes him feel super awkward, and that's from the part past. of the reason why I like to do that. You're listening to this whenever you're listening to it. So, so. listeners, you and I are in on a secret. The We're crazy thing is, the crazy thing is, I thought about this. You know, we release these, um, you know, a few weeks from now. Though This will come out. Mm-hmm. But, like, somebody could hear this years from now. You know what I'm saying? That is, yeah, that is really cool. Somebody, we've been recording for over two years, so somebody could be going back in the, that time frame and listening. <coughs> Hello, to, listeners from 100 years from now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we'll be around that long. <laughs> yeah, there's probably going to be better resources by then. We're not, we're not Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Like, <laughs> yeah. our podcast brings the world in Ooh. peace and harmony. <laughs> you never know, man. You never know. I can do all things through Christ's history. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm having too much fun. Okay, and restart. Welcome to (laughs) Oak. Go back. Families for life. So, anyway, subscribe and stuff. Uh, Give us a review. Uh, We're having a good time. Share us with your friends and send us an email of your feedback. Let us know what you like. If you are like, man, I wish Brian would stop telling me when you recorded the episode. Please let me know that. But if you love when I do that and you think it's funny to make the other Brian, you know, frustrated, then let me know that as well at f4l at oaklbc.org. Yes. Send us a message. We would love to hear from you. Well, let's get into this. I am excited uh, to talk about the epistles. Yes. Uh, we are, These are the New Testament letters. Okay. They're right. a genre unto themselves. Yep. And so they are, this is, a, this is our last genre episode. We have gone through. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. We've gone through all the different genres, the major genres yeah, of the Bible. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's hard to hit every thing. Nuance. Yeah. Nuance. Mm-hmm. Um, as we've said before, there are some really great resources that we've used. Uh, we list in the show notes, Read the Bible for Life by George Guthrie, A Basic Guide to Interpreting the Bible by Robert Stein, and then How to Read the Bible for, Lo- How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee and Douglas Stewart. Yeah. And you can read more about those genres in those books. Yeah, they got lots to say. <laughs> There's a lot stuff. in there. So, you know, the epistles are uh, pretty popular books. Many people would list the epistles as one of their favorite book or pull out a verse or a, or a passage as one of their most favorite passages. What is it about the epistles that appeals to us, Brian? What, it, yeah. what do you think? Well, I think, I know for me, it's just, it's just so accessible. Like, it just, it just tells you straight up what you need to know, and it just, it seems easier to understand. It feels like it was written to you, and many of the same issues and things that they were writing mm-hmm. to uh, still exist today. I mean, we just, we just, it's just easier to understand, I think, yeah. in a lot of ways. Problems in our lives and in the church are very similar, right? That's right, yeah. Well, New Testament scholar Douglas Moo says, in one word, immediacy. Mm-hmm. The writers of the, of the New Testament letters often seem to be writing directly to us. They talk about many of the same issues and challenges that we face as believers today. So you've just said that's, that's yeah, I totally that's agree with how that. you feel. Yeah, yep. 
I think that's what attracts us to the epistles is, is that accessibility, that immediacy of it. And, you know, looking at these, these letters and almost as if they're being written towards us. Now we know that's not the case. Right. And we know we have to do our, our, our work here, but let's think about who the writers of these epistles are. It's the apostles. Apostles. That's right. Um, what are apostles? Are they different from disciples? Well, so we were talking a little bit before, and uh, I'm I'm intrigued. I think we well so agree he, on what they're not. So a disciple <laughs> was a follower of Jesus. Right. There were twelve uh, main disciples, but right. there were many disciples. There were I lots mean, of disciples. When it says like in the disciples, the were Bible with them, says that Jesus yeah. appeared to over five hundred brothers. Right. So I mean, there were there were hundreds of disciples, right. hundreds of followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. By the time he by the time he went to be uh, re- resurrected and went to be with the Lord, there were there were hundreds of disciples. So we think of primarily the 12 main disciples, right. which became the 12 apostles. And the apostle is, it is an important distinction because an apostle is an office. Yes, of it's a role of the early church. That's right. Yeah. And so, and that's every word that we just said right there is, is important. It's an office right. of the early church. Yeah. And so these are men who saw Jesus resurrected and they were specifically set apart for this office by Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Yeah, exactly. And so we know this is a temporary uh, office or temporary role to help form and lead the church because, listen, there's no, none of us have witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. Right, you know, personally, personally, firsthand. right, yeah. firsthand. So they were there to give the instruction to the church in its infant stages, to give them God's direction, God's divine word in that in that phase. That office is past. Right. That there's no more apostles. If somebody calls himself an apostle today, it's it does not mean the same thing as a biblical apostle. Yeah. Normally, you're looking at somebody who is a charismatic that's mm-hmm. calling themselves an apostle, but that role yeah. is not available for us to hold today. Yeah, that's right. Now there's some question as to how many apostles, okay, different resources, different authors. You know, we think of the original 12 mm-hmm. disciples that became the apostles, but then we also know Paul is called an apostle. Yeah. He wasn't one of the original 12, right? Right. Because he was the one who was like, he, you know, uh, helped. He says he's the, the apostle that's Stephen. abnormally born. Right. Yeah. Right? Knowing that he saw Jesus resurrected uh, on the road to uh, Damascus, not uh, probably not as the other the other disciples saw Jesus right. resurrected. Yeah, I mean, because he saw Jesus after Jesus had even ascended. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you know, unique. there are people that think of like James, Barnabas, Jude, some of these other writers, some of these other people that were around early on that mm-hmm. were leading the church were also apostles. Mm-hmm. There are some that say no. Right. And that's kind of where we, you and I would maybe disagree a little bit is like who exactly were the apostles, you know? Um, And so if we think of like, so I personally don't know that I think that uh, James was an apostle. Um, However, he did write scripture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's where we start to wonder like, okay, so what's the, what is the kind of criteria for having written scripture? And that's where I'm really open to hearing like what you've said, Mm -hmm. 
but I think it's really important that we pay attention to the the, the main focus, this consensus that we have, is that um, it was an office that isn't renewed. Mm. Like what we're really getting mm. at is not, not regardless of it was yeah the, the twelve or whether it was twenty five right. whatever whatever the or if uh, it was everyone who was who like for instance like Mark did Mark was Mark one of the apostles right. maybe we disagree on that a little bit maybe we're not sure. But what we know I don't is that so. is that interesting. You don't think he was an apostle, mm-hmm. but you think James was? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to have to talk about that later. Okay. So that, that, that I don't think connects. we come to a consensus, and I don't think right. scholars come to a consensus. I read I read several different resources, and I'm sure you. I think you can make an argument both ways. Both ways, mm-hmm. good arguments both ways. But what we know is that it's not today. Right. Right. That's that the office. Main thing. You know, we think about this 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 apostles are, are akin to the role of prophets. You right. know, we know that the ro- the office and the role of prophet was also temporary. John the Baptist being the last uh, prophet and then of course Jesus being prophet, priest and king, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. we don't see prophets like called out like we did in the Old Testament, you right. know. We see preachers now. Right. And you see there's a pastors. T- the, yeah, you see the the uh, the text that talks about you know how he called some as apostles and some as prophets and some as this and some as, as teachers, I think that's describing all of these different roles throughout church history. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And so this, uh, you know, these pro- these apostles were used to deliver God's word to the early church, and so they were writing these letters to the early church. And you know, we think about letter writing. Letter writing is very easy for us today. Mm-hmm. I can I can bang out an email, mm-hmm. send a letter. I can type up a Word document, print it out, send it. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of um, ways we can you get can edit it. Yeah, we can easily. get that out. Yeah, but here's the thing: it was very difficult and can be a costly investment to write a letter in the first century. Yeah. Uh, many people use papyrus, which is a paper-like material used from the stem of a plant. And so most letters were not long. Paul's yeah. letters are unusually long. Even the shortest, Philemon, is longer than most letters of, of that time. I did not know that. Yeah, actually. so many times they had scribes that were used to compose letters. There were many people that <clears throat> were not... Uh, we're not this like letter writing was was an art form. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It was it was something you would get a professional person yes. to yes. to do. Such is the case of Romans. Paul used Tertius of Iconium to write to be a scribe for him. Yep. And so a scribe would get the papyrus. They would collect all these sheets of paper. They would mix their own ink. They would cut the reeds for pens. They were also trained in dictation. So the author would dictate his yep. letter, then. The, the, it, it almost like a shorthand. They would write out mm-hmm. their notes. Then they would go back and write the letter out in full uh, from the dictation and use this beautiful, think of like a calligraphy type yeah. uh, type writing. And so it was like a professional deal. You know, it was like, it was a big deal to be a, a scribe. It wasn't just you or me banging out a letter. I mean, these were trained secretaries, yeah. if you will, yeah. to um, to put these letters out. So I think, I think the, the one of the terms they use for, isn't it like amanuensis or something like that? I think that's the term. I didn't come across that. But. Yeah, there's like a term for these people who would be the secretaries or the, the writers. And many, like, many of the letters have that. That's why, like, sometimes Paul will say, you know, I, Paul, and so-and-so yes. greet you. It's like that's the dude writing it for Paul who's speaking it out loud. Right. Yeah. Right. So why do you think this is important to understand? Why do we spend this little time here talking about letter writing? Well, I think it helps us understand like what 
what's going on here and, and understanding the process that's involved. Understanding that, um, you know, sometimes we think of Scripture as just, again, as if God was like, you know, whispering into Paul's ear, and Paul's like, oh, oh hold on, let me get this down. You know, what's really going on is God is using Paul or, or you know, whoever, the other authors, to write these. And there are other people actually involved in it as well. And, uh, and, and, and it's super inexpensive. I mean, it's a very valuable endeavor. So well, it's it, an expensive. It was an expensive endeavor. For that's what them. I mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was an expensive endeavor. Yeah. Like, so the, it's it, very. So I, I've heard that books, like some, I heard John Piper preaching about books. Yeah. And some books would cost things that like like a cheap car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was one way that you this could was not, evaluate that. Yeah, this was not easy to do. And so it helps us understand why these letters were so cherished by the early church because right. they were not this was not an everyday of occurrence. You know, when Paul would write you a letter, this was a big yeah. deal. Yeah. And it would be read in front of the whole church and then it was copied and read and passed around to the other churches. Yep. You know, even though it wasn't specifically to those other churches, they would learn and learn right. what Paul is saying to the church in Galatia. And then mm-hmm. they would get it in Ephesus and they would get it somewhere else. And to get a letter from Paul was, was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about this idea of the form of the epistle. Yeah. So most of them are in a similar form. Yeah. All the elements may be a little mixed up or may not be in, but, but for the most part, especially the, especially Paul's, yeah. Um, epistles. He uses a salutation where mm-hmm. he uses a um, the name. He gives the audience a lot of times a greeting, and you can see this very clearly in the book of Romans. If you read Romans yeah. chapter one verses one through seven, you see the salutation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing you normally see, especially with Paul's writing, is a, a thanksgiving and or a prayer. And so Romans one eight through seventeen clears day. It's right there. Then he goes into the body of the letter. This is why he's writing, responding to something, giving uh, some kind of answer or or instruction here. And it, you can see this in Romans chapter 1, 18, through all the way through 1136. Like I said, Romans yeah. is a very long yeah, letter. Yeah, it is. And he's dealing with a lot of like <clears throat> theological content, argumentation, things like that. And then you come to this other element of the form, and that's exhortation and instruction. Mm-hmm. So after he's kind of dealt with the body, he he's like, okay, therefore, you know, and so you see Romans 12, 1 through 1532, where mm-hmm. he's saying, so all of what I just said, go do this and be like that. Yeah, and then finally the conclusion, which you see in Romans 15, 33 through 16, 27. So a lot of this is just kind of wrapping things up and his his wishes to come visit them or prayers for them, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's really important to know the form, but how does that help you understand the letters better? I think as you look at a letter and you start to realize the form of it, you can, you can get... It's easier to kind of organize the the, the outline in your mind, mm. and it's easier to think through um, the the logical argument yeah. and what Paul is trying to get to as he's as he's saying. Things. I think yeah, I think you're right. Like once you realize the, the the way he's writing it, you you see what he's saying more clearly. You understand that that logic. There's a lot of logical connections that are made. That's another reason why I think epistles are so loved by us today, especially in the Western world, because we tend to think more. You know. A plus B equals C, mm-hmm. and a lot of the epistles have that sort of logic in them. Mm-hmm. You know, very just like this plus this equals this, and that it goes helps back us. to that those Greek yeah. roots. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, 
So let's think about how to interpret the letters. And one of the things that um, they pointed out and how to read the Bible for all it's worth, uh, Gordon uh, Fee and Douglas Stewart, they taught, and, and also in Read the Bible for Life with Guthrie, and then he interviewed Douglas Moo, New Testament scholar oh, yeah, Douglas Moo. Yeah. They talked about uncovering a mystery. Hmm. You know, these letters are occasional documents, meaning they arise out of a certain occasion to address a certain issue or people. Yeah. Okay. So why do you think this is important in interpreting the letters? Well, I, I think, well, we always keep going back to the fact that we need to know what the original mm-hmm. author, what the author meant and what the original audience yes. would have gathered. So that's what we're trying to figure out, right? Right. That's the mystery. There was a reason for this letter. It wasn't exactly. just Paul's like, hey, guys, I'm lonely, and I'm going right. to write you a letter today. Right. What are you up to? You know, mm-hmm. he was he was responding a lot of times to communications he had gotten from a church. They're yep. like, hey, Paul, we got this issue going on, uh, you know, and, and he would respond. Also, when we, uh, we, we understand the letter is the response, so we have to figure out mm-hmm. the issue and the question. So it would be like this. It's like hearing one side of a phone call. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I like how you put that. That's exactly right because, you know, we've all been there. Like maybe you, when you were younger, you're, you know, with your parents and you hear your parents talking on the phone. Yeah. And you can kind of tell what the conversation's about. Right. Based on what your parents are saying and how they respond mm-hmm. to what they hear. But how does this challenge us when it comes to interpreting? Well, I think if we know this, if we know that we're hearing one side of a phone call, we can do some of the investigation to uncover the mystery. We can look Mm. and see some of the things that we need to try to give us a fuller context, you know, and, and understand that we may not be able to know everything. Right. We may not be able to uncover it all. Well, I think you're right. A lot of commentators uh, that you read will talk about how, uh, like even, so think of like first and second Corinthians, they talk about how there was probably a third letter because of some of the things that Paul says. And they're like, you know, we're pretty sure that, that, there was a there's another letter here that was not inspired, and so we don't have that. And uh, and they're they're dealing with more. Con- it's just cool. You get to be kind of a detective, but then you also have to let go of you right. know trying to know everything. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. I think that's really important. So with all of these things, there's a historical context, right? This is so, a common theme that's come up yeah. in almost every episode. We're looking at the historical context. Yeah, context you know? is key. So right. why is that important? Well, I think we have to reconstruct the situation that the author is speaking of, right? So we're thinking about a study Bible or a Bible dictionary is helpful because we've got to we got to know the historical context. We can't just look at the Bible and say, once again, um, how does this apply to me? Yeah. What does this mean to me? Yeah. We're saying, what is the setting? What is the occasion? What is the purpose of this letter? I need to uncover all of this. What is the setting that, that those, those people were, were going through at that time? You know, Paul's writing to Galatians, mm-hmm. you know, he's writing the book of Galatians to the church in Galatia. What is going on in that church? Right. What is the setting? What is the makeup of those yeah, people? Is right. it a mix of, is it Jewish Christians? Is it, is it Gentile Christians? Is it a mix? You know, what? Yeah, all of those if, things are helpful. If you don't understand the context, then what you'll do is you'll read something that... Let's, so the reason why we talk about Paul all the time is because he wrote most of the epistles right. in the Bible, right? So if you're reading Paul in Galatians, but then you read Paul in, you know, uh, 
1 Corinthians, he'll say things that almost, like there's times where he'll say things that seem like he's contradicting himself. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's not what he's doing. You have to know what he's talking right. about. Right, you have to understand, like like one of the, I love, I love the book of Galatians. He's speaking against the Judaizers, right. you know, and he's talking about this idea that we've got to, um, he, t- he talks about the law and grace mm-hmm. and all of these types of things that play into that. And then he goes into talking about abusing grace. So he right. he, he runs the whole spectrum and really how how focusing on the gospel and putting our our focus on Jesus is is really the answer and yeah. and walking in the spirit. And so we um you know we see all of that from historical context, right? Yeah, that's right. We also understand the approximate date of the letter. The letters are not ordered chronologically. Yeah, that's important. Like I, I, I loved, I was teaching the students, you know, about the, the prison letters, mm-hmm. which are, let's say it's, so you've got Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Galatians is not one of the uh, prison letters, but it was written in that time frame. And then the prison letters are there. And then, so it's Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, first Thessalonians, second Thessalonians, first Timothy, second Timothy, Titus, Philemon or Philemon, however you say it. Philemon is one of those prison letters. So Philemon was written at the same time probably as these other three letters, but it was in a different order. So it's like, okay, there's a there's an order to this. Well, it's Paul's biggest letter, Romans, exactly. all the way to his smallest letter, and we Philemon. See that, like the prophets, it was mm-hmm. the same sort of thing. Right, and then in the other the other pastoral epistles, the Hebrews is the largest one of those, and then it goes all the way down mm-hmm. to Third John. Yeah, you know, and so you see which is the smallest, and so that's important for us to understand when we read the epistles. It, it's you know, as you're putting together historical context, you may need a timeline or some sort of chronological uh, system to think about this because it's going to help you to understand the process that the church went through and mm-hmm. the issues that they were addressing as they went along. Yeah, yeah, it really is helpful once you kind of just, when you're able to put it all together, you just see it more clearly. Right. I mean, it's like trying to understand a puzzle with only a few pieces, right? right. You Map, just put all the pieces together. Maps, timelines, those are all really helpful to us. I mentioned in the last episode that a Bible handbook is yes. a very helpful book to uncover the mystery uh, of the historical context. I like, I have a copy of the Holman Bible handbook. Mine's older. It's an older copy, but at the time of recording, the new updated version is available at lifeway.com for $7 and 50 cents. So this is at the time of recording. If, if it's not, right now. if it's Pick not that phones. case, <laughs> sorry, we make no, trouble. I just want to say we make no, <laughs> no commission, no money from this. Yeah. Lifeway doesn't support us. Right. It's okay. If Lifeway wants to do an advertisement, we're open to it, okay? That's right, yeah. <laughs> but $7.50 at Lifeway.com. If you don't have a Bible handbook, you need to get this one. Would, it is very helpful. Would you say that handbooks are handy books? They are handy books. That's right. It's handy to have a handbook. So, sorry. Right. Well, anyway. I'm that, in a weird mood. Another important part of discovering the historical context is to read the entire letter. Yes. Right. In a few as sittings as possible. If you can read the letter in yeah. one sitting, that's great. That's the best. I understand if it's if it's a couple sittings because of time and the length of the letter. Right. Um, Most of them you can read through pretty quickly. Right. Most well, of them. Why is this a good idea? Well, because you get the because it's a letter, right? I mean, that'd be like if your you know grandparent sent you a letter and you read like the first three sentences, <laughs> and you're like, well, I'll finish this you know next month or something like that. Doesn't make any sense, right? Because it's one. They're they're ultimately making one argument right i come from a time 
I come from a time back in the days of yesteryear, the days of your, the, the days of your, um, when we wrote letters and we would actually send letters to our friends in the mail. How we do would you do that. You would get a piece of paper what? and you multiple piece of paper okay. and we would write down Let me our take thoughts notes about this on my phone right now. It's like a text message on paper. Oh, can you get that? Do you understand that? Oh, who takes it to the other? Per- do you have to drive it to the no, other no, no, house? no, no. There's a person that comes by your house every day. What? And you put a stamp on it. And they would pick it up and take it to their house for you. What are stamps? It's a mail mailman. <laughs> a mailman. <laughs> anyway, we uh, we used, I come from the day of sending letters, and, and you're right. We would send you know letters to each other, letters yep. from camp, letters from whatever, and you would write out yep. several pages to your friends. You would not just read a sentence or two or a paragraph right. and hold it. For, you'd read the whole thing. Yeah. Then you you know it'd be an important document you know you you so you got to treat the New Testament letters like that as well yeah read it in as few as sittings as possible to help give you an overall view of the letter and what the author is trying to to convey. I, I took a class on First Corinthians and in that class uh, a part of our assignment just one part of our assignment was read First Corinthians all the way through mm-hmm. uh, once a week every or every week you had to have read through the book. Um, every single week. That's and good. so it was awesome. Yeah. It was a little challenging, but man, it was so good. So I also think that um, it's a good idea to take notes as you read. And here I have a few questions here that came from one of our resources uh, that help you know, kind of help you guide some of your, your note taking mm-hmm. as you're reading. You might ask the question, what do you notice about the recipients themselves, whether Jew or Greek, wealthy slave? What's their problems? What's their attitudes? You know, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, that's really good. What? Yeah, the author's attitudes. Um, ask anything specific. Is there anything specific mentioned as to the specific occasion of the letter? Mm-hmm. Like, does it tell you why he's writing the letter? Yeah. What's the letter's natural sort of logical division? Yeah. You know, as you're thinking through. Um, is there anything you would add as you're taking notes? Any questions? Um, no, I, I really, the, the thing I would s- kind of hone in on is uh, pay attention to the people. You know, when I remember, okay, this was this was hard. I had a class with Dr. Haken, and he, um, he asked us about the Greco-Roman world. And so he had us do a quiz first day of class just to see what we knew about the new Testament. Mm. And so it, it asked us a bunch of questions and dude, it was like, I, I got done with that quiz and I was like, I, this is in seminary. I had already graduated from Bible college and mm-hmm. I was like, I, yeah, know I know nothing. nothing. <laughs> so, and, uh, but it was exciting because I got to learn a lot more and, yeah. and I really, what I figured out is what I should be paying attention to. Mm-hmm. And it's the people. Like, yes. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Who, who were they? Right. What was their deal? Right. These I, were, and here's the thing. These are real people. And you yeah. can get a sense of, you can get a sense of Paul's personality. You can get a sense of, of Paul, of who he is mm-hmm. by reading the letters. Yep. Yep. So, so I think it's important. You also can review an outline of the letter. Uh, like we said, you can see this in a study Bible or you can do an outline yourself, but you want to see the flow and the logic behind the letter. That yeah. will help you as well. So that's all historical context that kind of give gives you that framework but there's yep. also literary context why do you think literary context is so important well because we need to learn to trace paul's argument in order to help us uncover the mystery of the letters yeah so we've got to understand how how he's writing the the way the context in which he's writing in order to just 
pull out the the argument and yeah. know what we've, he's even talking we've talked about. a lot about this like the norms of language right. the thing you know things we talked about earlier in the context and language episode you know one of the things that's unique with um that's unique in the epistles are we have to think paragraphs. paragraphs yeah. uh, Svi and Stuart say they are not just natural units, but absolute necessity, necessary, necessity to the key to understanding the argument in the various epistles. Yeah. So we got to understand these paragraphs are these natural breaks. We got to ask, what is the point of this paragraph? Mm. We need to try to write out. It's helpful to write out yes. in a sentence or two the main point of the paragraph, yeah. mm-hmm. and then how does this? context contribute to the overall argument yeah that's that's totally true in in preaching when when they teach you you know preaching in the epistles they you focus on the paragraphs Mm -hmm. and if you can come up with the main point of each paragraph of the epistle and then you look you kind of trace all of those together you'll see the argument right you'll see the logical argument Mm -hmm unfold it's amazing how it works so are there any other literary context considerations that you can think of i'm sure there are but not off the top of my head how about you have you thought through no more no i think it's just important that we understand that that this is its own style and its own genre and that even the author like paul paul's epistles are different from peter you yeah know? yeah that's, and that's understanding good. what are the differences between the different authors it, it can be so easy to get used to Paul again because right. it's the most I think it's a lot of fun to go read, you know, Peter and mm-hmm. John and right. Hebrews, you know, and just to see a little bit different it's the same it's a letter. It has a lot of the same elements mm-hmm. that we've already talked about, but but the author's different. Right. So it's just got a different flavor to it. Yep. That's fun. That's exciting. So in the New Testament epistles there are uh, problem passages mm-hmm. and there are things because we get one side of the conversation it can be difficult to understand so what do we do with problem passages well in many cases the reason the text is so difficult for us is frankly they are not written for us right yes they, they are they are the author and the reader would have been on the same wavelength they would mm-hmm. understand each other clearly because of historical and literary context would have been natural for them yeah, you know, in in some cases we might need to just be okay with a lack of knowledge about the conversation and we need to trust God that he gave us all that we need for life and godliness. Yes. It it is hard. It is hard, but some of the things we will not fully understand. In fact, I found a um I found a page on Blue Letter Bible that has difficult scriptures. You know, one of the difficult scriptures I'll I'll read this is uh, Jude chapter nine or Jude verse nine. It says, "Yet Michael the arch archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses." You're like, huh? What? I preached on this. Once. You're like Michael and the devil were were mm-hmm. were disputing the body of Moses. Like, mm-hmm. what is going on here? I think, and there and there's other passages as well, but this is one example where we don't have the full context of right. this, and it is very difficult to grasp. I, I had to preach on that text. It's funny that you brought that up because did and, you get it all figured out? And cla- figured it all out. No, that was a lot of the po- point of the message was really explaining. Uh, what we don't understand, right? In order to understand, in order to explain what we do, you know, and and that's a lot of it is just um, is just kind of giving ourselves guide rails to say this is where we don't go, mm-hmm. you know. Um, a lot of that's the same with the Trinity. Here's where we don't go. Yeah, um, I mean, in First Peter three nineteen, he said he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you look at some of these <laughs> these things, and and it it it's like it's okay, hard. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's hard to really uh, understand uh, some of these things, and so we have to be. We need to do the the best that we can, but but understand that we may not be able to know all of the details. But, yeah. but even though we can't have full certainty about some of the details. Very often the point of the passage is still within one's grasp. So, so we've got to understand we can still get the meaning. That's that's, even though there's some of these nuances that, that we may not fully grasp. Yeah. And I even want to say this, you know, I think one thing that is important to do when we're reading these is to let, we, we should not take, we should not immediately jump to what the text can't mean. Right. You know, like we do need to get there eventually, but we need to wrestle with it and 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 let the Bible press into our mm-hmm. kind of preconceived notions. Like, you know, the Bible talks about people getting, you know, raised from the dead. You know, like really? So maybe well, we that's, need to, and that's know. what this is the next point. It says, yeah. despite some uncertainty as to some of the precise details, one needs to learn to ask what can be said for certain about the text and what is what what is possible but not certain. Yeah. Okay. So a good rule of thumb for interpreting scripture in in all of hermeneutics and yes. all of the scripture is to interpret what is unclear by what is clear. Right. So you never say, well, this passage is saying some some new truth that's contrary to the truth that is very clear in right. the Bible. Yeah. And so we have to say, what could this passage mean within the theological framework of what is very clear for us to understand? You know, one of the one of the problem passages is 1 Corinthians 15, 29, where they talk about baptizing for the dead. This is mentioned very briefly. We have no yeah. context for this. So so yeah, as a church member, I'm gonna go baptize for the dead. Yeah. Of course not. Yeah. Of course not. That's not a practice that we're gonna put in place off of one mention in the Bible that we don't fully understand what what is happening there. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Especially when especially when the rest of scripture leads us to not understand that Exactly as it's said, right? Like when you well, that's read in the it. middle of a pa- so. So this is an example where it's in the middle of First Corinthians fifteen, where Paul is talking about resurrection. Yeah, and he's talking about the importance right. of Jesus' resurrection for our resurrection. So the point is about the importance of holding to the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Right. That's the whole point of this passage, and how and how it is the linchpin of the gospel mm-hmm. and of and of our faith. And so he goes through all of this, and he says, you guys are doing this mm-hmm. thing, but the point is you've got to live out your faith in this way. Yep, and that's exactly like what you just did was you you just now showed how the point of the passage is within our grasp. Right. We can understand what they're saying ultimately, even if we can't fully understand this detailed thing right here. Right. Mm-hmm. So... Um, on such passages, what we need to do is to ultimately like really think about it, pray about it, but then we need to go and consult a good commentary. Yeah. To be honest, you know, here's the thing. There are, I'm I'm not a Bible scholar. I need resources. I need commentaries. I need help. And so I know that for instance, blue letter Bible.org has lots of free commentaries. Now, most of them are older because they're, they're free because the copyright has, has lapsed. You know, the copyright restrictions have lapsed, but you know, if you're looking at getting a set, I know one of the sets is a Christ-centered exposition set is mm-hmm. really good, and these are not too expensive. I also like focus on the Bible commentaries. These are really helpful for 
lay people. Uh, and you know, one of the ones that's my favorite, this one's a little bit more expensive and, and maybe more for pastors is the reformed expository commentary. I really love that one a lot. I like the pillar commentaries too. I just like those. Um, but yeah, all those that you just said are, are fantastic. And, and so the thing about commentaries though, is you need to investigate the commentary Mm. before you just go and buy it and read it. So why do you think that that's so important. Yeah, I think that, and one of the things I always do is check the publishing house. I check, I go on the website and see what does the publishing house believe. A lot of them will post their their core beliefs mm-hmm. and their theological statements. It's really important. For instance, like like Crossway, you know, I would theologically align with, with Crossway, and I would be able, okay with buying yeah. material from them, you yeah. know. Um, you know, even like PNR publishing, I would align mostly with this, a Presbyterian publishing house. I would align mostly with them, yeah. not in every so way, but all of the important, right. Mm-hmm. All of the important things. Like there's one Presbyterian commentary that I have. It talks about baptism. Mm-hmm. It's about infant baptism. And I know that when I, when I read that, that that's not something that I believe, but it's also not something that's going to totally take me away from that commentary because right. the other things in there are are really good. Exactly. So. Yeah, exactly. So it is important because you, you kind of find out where people are coming from and uh, what their ultimate commitments are. And, uh, and you, and you can find out, are these authors going to try mm. to explain away things that, uh, that I don't want explained away? Like, right. are they going to explain away miracles? Because I believe in miracles mm-hmm. because it's pretty obvious. Exactly. That that's what the Bible teaches. Right. So. Or are they going to allegorize everything yeah, in the exactly. Bible? Right. Yeah. So let's review a few of the, a couple of the hermeneutical rules. This was in one of our resources. And th- I think this is really helpful with the epistles, but with, with a lot of things. Uh-huh. Number one, a text cannot mean what it never could have meant to its author or to their reader. Yep. Okay. Remember, we're not reading into it. It's not a. It's not primarily a message for us. God gives us this work mm-hmm. and applies it to our lives, the work of the Holy Spirit. But we can't confuse meaning and application. I think it's really yeah. important. And I want to. I want to make a real quick point of clarification. So many times in preaching, I will. I will even say things like, "This is God's word to you," right? But I will also say, "This is not specific. This was not written directly to you, right?" <laughs> so what do I mean? Well, exactly what we just said. This is God's word, and it was written to these specific people. Right. And this is specific occasion that God intended for it to be used and applied to our lives as well. Mm-hmm. So it's both. We just have to understand how that works. Right. In the in the in the trying to interpret and find the meaning, we've got to go to the mm-hmm. what what the it original. meant the original. That's right. Then we can extrapolate application to our own lives. Right. So and so Whenever we share, you know, comparable particulars, these similar specific life situations with the first century setting, God's word to us is the same as his word to them. Yeah. So I think that's important to understand. Yeah. They're talking about uh, do not be drunk with wine. That's going to apply directly to us. The implication Mm -hmm. is the same. We've also got to be careful not to abuse scriptures. Mm. How would we abuse scriptures? Well, there's there's a few ways. Yeah, (laughs) one of them is the problem of extended application. So Mm. some of this gets a little technical. We'll try to break this down as best we can. But when there are comparable particulars and comparable contexts in today's church, it is legitimate to extend the application of the text to other contexts or to make the text a 
I'm sorry, is it legitimate to extend the application to the text or other contexts or make the text apply to a context totally foreign to the first century setting? And I would say, I would say no, there may be rare instances where that's okay. But what they're talking about is taking the application and really going further than what the text would, would, would warrant us to go mm-hmm. extending that application. And that, that's, that can be dangerous. Yeah, it's like when you take what they've said and you make it apply to everything. Right. You know, there are there are limits to the the length at which you can mm-hmm. apply. Like for instance, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm. I can literally fly. Like, no, that's not yeah. you've extended that application. That's not what it's talking about. Right. So we also have the problem of particulars that are not comparable. So the problem here has to do with two the two kinds of texts in the epistles, those that speak to the first century issues that are for the most part without any 20th century counterpart and those texts that speak to the problems that could possibly happen also in the 20th century but are highly unlikely to do so so once again we're we're, we've got to make sure that the application is on point with the meaning right right right. and then finally i think this is kind of the biggest problem right would you say this the problem of task theology yeah, I think so. Help us understand exactly what we're talking about here. Though. Yeah, so so much of the theology in the epistles is task theology, meaning that it's not systematically presented, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is not to mean that you cannot understand uh, systematic theology through it if you if you extrapolate Study that yeah. and, and mm-hmm. put that together. Um, but I think it's really important for us to understand, and there are some cautions in relations to theology in these epistles, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, we must understand, or we must be content at times with some of the limitations to our theological understanding. We've mentioned some of the problem yeah. passages and things like that. Yeah. We've got to be okay with not knowing all of these answers. Right. Yeah, that's you know, exactly right. Yeah, sometimes our theological problems with the epistles come from the fact that we are asking our questions of the text that by their occasional nature are answering only their questions. So, for instance, right. what we're saying is sometimes what we try to do is bring our question and make a certain text answer our question, mm-hmm. but that's not the question they were answering originally. Right. So we're trying to force it its answer to meet our question. Right. Like they would never, like for instance, when they're thinking about infant baptism, you know, we, we of course are, are credo Baptist, you know, right. but we're, we would not find pedo baptism in scriptures. And it's like, that would not be a question that they would address mm-hmm. in their, in their frame of reference. It's, it's, so yeah. we're forcing that onto what the scriptures are saying. Right. It, it, if, if you just imagine a conversation where somebody says something and then you come back and you say, so what you're saying is blah, 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 blah. And they just look at you and they're like, what? No. Exactly. That's not what I'm talking mm-hmm. about at all. Right. And, and that happens sometimes where we, we try to make what they're saying fit what we are dealing with. Right. And the thing is, what's important to know is the Bible does address every aspect of life. So the question that we might be asking is addressed by the Bible, just might not be the the specific place we're yeah, looking. Right. For instance, like like the issue of abortion, for instance. You right. know, God the Bible does speak to the issue of life right. in extensively. But if you take a passage out of context and you're trying to force that into mean mm-hmm. something where it doesn't you're not doing good hermeneutics. Right. Theologically it doesn't it doesn't work. So don't try to force that to mean something that it doesn't mean. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we got to be careful that we don't abuse 
the Bible and try to make it mean something that it's not actually trying to say. Yeah. It says plenty. We just right. got to read it. We got to mm-hmm. read all of it because it talks about all the things that we want it to talk about mm-hmm. and more. Right. Um, we just got to read all of it. Yeah. So I think it's important to understand as we, as we wrap this up that we are taking an adventure. And I love these. There's a couple quotes here from Read the Bible for Life. It says, reading the Bible is more than just a science. Mm-hmm. It has much to do with the relationship, our relationship with God, our relationship with fellow brothers and sisters in the church, and our relationship with non-believers around us in the world. So they were saying that in context to the New Testament epistles. And I think there's, like we were saying earlier, there's so much there for us. They're so relatable. They're so just right where we're at in the church. Yeah. And I think that's why they're so valuable to us. They, they are a grace to us that God gave us these letters that we can read and reread and reread and reread to help us to form our theology, but also it just our practical outworking of our faith. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, churches all around the world read the Bible, read these epistles and, and can say like, well, Here's ways that we are like that church, you know, and here's here's how this applies to us. And then you can look at our context and see the churches around your neighborhood and just be like, we all are connected by the same realities that these churches were yeah. connected by. Yeah, and I think it's important as you read them, like I said, you're taking an adventure. So, you know, try to not come with it with a lot of preconceived notions. You know, mm-hmm. New Testament scholar Douglas Moo says, as we read the New Testament letters, we have to be open to surprises. Yeah. We have to go where the letters take us and not be so locked into what we expect to find that we don't see what's really, really there. there. That's so good. That, I think that it, is so good. I think one of the resources that has helped me to do this is seeing John Piper's look at the book. Yes. And I think that's helped me to, like, really read scripture and, and, and think about it, mm-hmm. not just, not just read it, but really think about it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Because I remember one time I was talking to one of my friends and I was reading something in the new Testament and he, he just kind of asked me, he was like, but do you know what that means? Mm. And I was like, yeah, it means, um, and you know, and I just like, mm. I had to really break it down. We need to let it, let it actually speak to us. Yeah. Don't just read it understand it. Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do. That's good. So the epistles are, are a great adventure. I love them because you it is kind of uncovering a mystery. It's, yeah. it's looking at all of these things and you know you, some of it's like travel logs from Paul's yeah. adventures, you know, That's and right. you're you're seeing the prop it's like kind of like you're a fly on the wall in the church in Corinth and seeing all the messed yeah. up stuff that they're that's going on in that church. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing just just all of these different things, and you get to uncover all of these different circumstances and this awesome sort of like mix of history and 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 person personalities and, and church stuff that's all happening in these letters, and it's awesome. Yeah, it really is, especially when you focus on the people and you focus on the 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 miracles of what God was doing and changing lives and how he's still doing that stuff today. Exactly. So it's really exciting. You know, let's go on this adventure. Let's get in the word and uh, let's understand it all together. So, well, thank you for listening. We are just so grateful that you listened to us and we are looking forward to wrapping this, this, this series Series up up, the next episode on what it means to study the Bible. Yep. It's going to be a good time. Yeah. So thank you all for listening and we'll see you next next time. time.
we used to tape songs off of the radio. That's how we oh, got. Oh, I used to. Did do you that. do that? Yes. Yeah, but then the stupid DJ would talk over your mm-hmm. would talk over your uh, song. Like, yeah, you ruined it. Especially the end. Especially if there was a yes. song that had like a secret, you know, like another ending, you know, yes. it's like it ends and then it's yes. like, and then it comes back and they're already talking. Oh, like, come on, bro. come on, man. But then that becomes a part of like how you remember the song. It's kind of like when you taped cartoons and you have all the cur- commercials for it. Did DJ, you do that? Uh, you ever tape cartoons off TV? Steel. I did tape stuff off the TV. Not I don't cartoons. Uh, this cartoons for us, man, all day long. Hours I would tape stuff. I would tape stuff uh, that was on during the day. Like I was got really. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got really into um, Batman. Yeah, the old '60s Batman, and they would show like it would be in the afternoon or during the day when I couldn't watch it, and so I would set up the VCR to tape it and I watch it in the yep. a- later it was in the, the day. original. Was that DVR? Is that what it was called? DVR. It was a VCR. Well, I know that, but what did they call it when you could record onto your device? Yeah, DVR. Yeah, DVR. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> those are obsolete now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Nowadays, those, lived, those were like a minute. On, they, they existed for a minute. On demand. Mm-hmm. Go on YouTube. Whatever. So. Yep. 